Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. This is the Know Thyself Podcast. Welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And I am Eduardo. And uh, it's good to see you, man. Um, It's been a lot of talking before uh, this episode on a topic so broad like we will be bringing up today. Um, So I've just been so not just um, interested in, in having this conversation with you, of course, as always, but how it relates to everything that we're doing in this in this next season. And, you know, we are using the to our the best of our abilities um a sort of template to ease into application and we've spoken on application before the season three ended um and how we went into season four saying that's what we'd be focusing on and you brought up something that i thought was perfect as we sort of go down each topic that we've already either discussed in the past and the, the topics that we're going to be bringing up in terms of their application. And something you said even before this um, about how it's so much easier to read on paper on, on what these applications um, entail and how you can sort of take a philosophy and follow that philosophy seems so simple, but there's such a complex and unpredictable way on how the cause and effect fall into this concept of time. And so when you said we need to talk about time in order to sort of apply these uh, ideas in, in not just for the way we view time, but how time has been viewed by various individuals in philosophy or in um, physics or in science, or currently as we speak in this, in this world and what that does for us in regards to understanding the past, the present and the future. And so I'm very excited to hear everything you have to say because these conversations um, that you and I have off the record always sort of kind of put me in a state of not the same page as you're on, but also seen from the eyes that you're seeing things when we talk about application, when we talk about this philosophical understanding that we go so deep in as far as with the esoteric. And it's good to sort of break this down, this conversation in regards to time and um, and what that really means. And so I'm ready, man, let's go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we did, we were kind of discussing that before. It is kind of fascinating when we kind of think about all of the conversations that we've had on the podcast and with the community, you can get very deep in esoteric occult conversations. You can get very abstract and it's, so it's really an interesting process when you're going from the learning of the knowledge to the actual application of the knowledge and the utilization of this knowing and creating wisdom, Mm -hmm. which is right. Knowledge and action. When you look at the process of application on paper, like you said, it, it seems like simple. You're like, Oh, cycles and patterns. And I need to align my cycle and be aware of cycles and patterns. Well, Mm -hmm. that takes a very active, you know, strong will to keep in the movement of the cycles of the seasons, the cycles of the moon, the, your own internal process of unfoldment. And so it's one of those things that like almost 
sounds easier than it is. But when you start applying it, you really kind of can feel the resistance. You can feel old patterns. Um, even self-doubt can kind of present itself. And so that's kind of where we're kind of directing these conversations is how do we actually apply these ancient understandings of the universe inside of us and around us and, you know, really apply them to assist us in the unfoldment of who we authentically are. Mm. And also, you know, gaining value in this understanding of like, we're here to grow. And time is something that we've had a conversation on in the past. We did mm -hmm. a couple episodes of time, but in those past conversations, we were kind of looking at macro cycles, right. right? We, you know, we were looking at the Kali Yugas. We've, we've done a lot of conversations on like astro theology. So like the evolution of consciousness throughout time where we're gonna kind of look at it as more of our own personal dance with time today. Um, and, you know, one of the things we brought up, and I think it's a good thing to kind of look into, is just how like elusive the topic is of time. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I could be like, hey, what is time? And you're like, oh, I've got an answer for you. And then you open your mouth and you're like, but how do I explain time? Mm -hmm. It's elusive and right. it's almost like fluid. You know, it actually is fluid and it, it's like slips through your hands. And so we're even gonna kind of look at like the lessons that time is trying to present to us, the respect that we're supposed to have with time and ultimately like the discipline. And, you know, when we think about application, it's like cycles and patterns. It's utilizing time to be a assistant, like you're a sister on, you know, motivating you to become the person that you truly were meant to be. But even like your words, we're even gonna talk about like the language we use with time and how some of it is really beneficial. And some of it actually illuminates the idea that we're not, we don't have a proper connection with time because we use words that actually like negate the true essence of what time is. Right. And it kind of shows that we like actually don't have a grasp of this spiritual phenomenon that's happening in all moments at all time. <laughs> I like the way you finish that. Um... Yeah, you know, in, in a very like blanket statement, you know, when I was doing um, some reading back when we were breaking down verses and, um, you know, some of the conversations through Genesis in the Bible, I did like that in the Bible, they talk about time being this gift, right? That you, rather than them talking about it in sort of this complex manner, they talk about how each day witness in life is a gift from God. And, um, you know, so it, it behooves you, as I said, this quote was out there to manage time wisely. And I'm not saying that that, you know, covers everything in a nutshell, but the, the idea behind it is, you know, reinforce that it is a gift to be in the present, right? We've talked about that before. And you've talked about something that I always liked that you've said, which is, you know, living in the past can cause, you know, sort of these episodes of depression and living in the future can cause these episodes of possible anxiety because you can't control either or, but you can control what you can do in, in the, in the present moment. And I do remember there was a, a moment in my childhood where I didn't want things to change. And I think it was literally during summers where I thought if I leave this place that I really like to be in, in this case, it was in the ocean. Um, will it remain the same or will I come back and will it be different? And if I stayed here, would I be able to have some control over that? And little did I know that if I did stay in that place and neglected everything else going on in my life, 
other things were going to have a cause and effect way down the road from neglecting a place and time just to like hold on to one space that I wanted to basically selfishly keep in the same um in the same essence that I was in in that moment and that did happen to me as a child I wasn't so like <laughs> deep in that regard it was just something I noticed um even with my parents were like you can stay here but while you stay here you're missing out on this and if you miss out on this this is what ultimately will happen a few months down the road and I remember from that moment on I always had this sort of interesting relationship with time and then it gets sort of intermingled, which is, I want to talk about this uh, a little bit later on how even in the Western world, how we view time, you know, our relationship with time. And like, if you do this now, this is what you will buy yourself in the future. But you're also neglecting things that are happening in the present moment, whether it's like hanging out with a family member or friend, um, just to like save you this moment that hasn't even come yet in the future. But they kind of push that onto you and they being like, it could be your parents, it could be teachers, it could be whoever you experience as a child and didn't have an understanding of what that cause and effect look like. And so there's a lot to be said about that. And again, we'll talk about it if it comes up again later on, but that's sort of like the hat I'm putting on right now mm -hmm. in terms of time. I mean, I have quotes from Einstein to Pythagoras that we can talk about and their relationship with time, but that's not really what I really want to dive into more so about the application and the respect that you just talked about, mm -hmm. like respecting time and what it actually means is sort of a, its own meditation and its own discipline in order to like sit with it and sit with it altruistically speaking, because I think there are moments where you're like, no, 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 I'm going to make the best of this moment. I'm going to hang out with my grandparents. They don't have a lot of time left on this earth, physically speaking. Therefore I'm going to be present with them, but I'd be lying to you if I wasn't sitting there looking over their shoulders at the clock at the microwave going like, okay, I got like maybe another hour here and just kind of not really taking in the moment as I should based on like this clock that's always there in a lot of the rooms and the things that we hold in our hands that are constantly reminding us of like, here's a 24 hour period. This is realistically how much you have. How are you going to use it? It's been kind of turned, not against us, but it's found its way into, you know, speeding up conversations to speeding up um, outcomes or trying to negotiate outcomes mm -hmm. that uh, really take us away from the present moment. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Which is why, and I'm just gonna take this opportunity right now, every time we do this podcast and I say, it's so good to see you, it's so nice to sit down with you. I think that's what's been one of the most, like it, the biggest privileges of having you as a friend is that we are here right now. Like I can't do anything else. You know, I can't go outside, I can't, go play with the dog. I can't check emails. And so every time you leave here, there's this sort of amazing feeling of, Hey, I was a hundred percent there mm. with you and a, a, a new and unique conversation, which become these like little treasures in the end, because I'm like, okay, cool. Like every time I listen to an episode from maybe a couple of years back, I'm like, I was there, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's sort of a, its own, uh, reflection there in real time. So anyways. yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that's one of the things we're going to speak about today is looking at time as the true currency, you know, and it's time is like that, you know, Manly P. Hall put it, it's like the measurement of opportunity, but it's not so much like the quantity of the time. It's more of the quality and what we mm -hmm. do in that space, what we do with that dash on our gravestone. You know, we've spoke about that before, you know, the two biggest things on the gravestone are like, your birthday and your death date. But 
that whole life is lived in that little dash. You know, that's yeah. where the whole experience happened. And it is a just a snapshot of time. And, you know, again, with this idea of application, one of the things we have to address is in the metaphysical ultimate idea, we know we're not saying like, you know, beyond this realm, we understand that like time is not linear, actually. Like we're actually, it's all one big moment and we're living in all moments. But because of the construct of the reality of the five sense construct of experience that we find ourselves in, we have to approach it in how reality presents it to us. So we do have to understand time through this linear aspect because this is how we experience it. This is our real this is our reality. This is what's real to us. And so again, we understand this conversation isn't going to be so dedicated to that metaphorical, metaphysical conversation, which we will have in the past, how everything is actually one big moment and it's cyclical. We're going to really look at the individual's experience, personal experience through this linear unfoldment of how time presents itself to us. You know, it's the same thing like duality. We know at the end that all opposites come together up above this realm, but a part of the divine paradox of incarnating in this realm, we do have to experience duality. You know, even though it's not the ultimate truth, it's it's a byproduct of this realm that we find ourselves in, you know? And so this is kind of those conversations of like, how do you spend your time? Because one of the reasons why we don't approach time is because it touches on the ultimate elephant in the room is that it's finite. It's temporal. You know, we all have a death sentence. It's the only thing that's guaranteed in this life is the fact that you're going to die. And this is a huge part of not only the spiritual growth of an individual, but it's something that needs to be contemplated and understood because there is an expiration date to this, you know? And it's kind of this like fascinating thing because even when we think about that f- phrase, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Again, we think of this in like a very literal expression, right. but what it's actually talking about there is you can't have life without death. And time is, is always constantly eating at you. The moment you took your first breath and you experienced life, time got a taste of you. And as you get older, you get tastier and time starts to really eat at you, eat away. Um, we spoke about this in the conversation with Saturn Returns. Yeah. Remember we were talking about the, the story of Peter Pan? Mm-hmm. We talked about Hook and how the crocodile had the, right. he ate the clock. So every time Hook heard that tick-tock, tick-tock, he got scared because he had the biggest fear. Well, Hook was afraid of his own death. Right. Hook was afraid of that demise. And so he heard that time and that time was like this, this thing that scares you. And you know, this is the byproduct of Saturn. Saturn gives us life, Saturn takes it away. And so it almost like reaps as it sows, just like we do. And when we're kind of looking at this understanding and thinking about it in that context of like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. When you are at your birthday party and you are celebrating another cycle of a year and you're eating your cake, you actually are symbolically representing Saturn in that ritual Mm. and you're eating yourself. You're actually like eating your own, almost like placenta. Um, And you are taking the role. This is also why you blow out your candles on your birthday because you're showing like, oh, the light was lit. Well, the light will be blown out. Um, And you're symbolically taking the role of Saturn. You are actually like in a conducting a ritual there and you are 
that forever, you know, devouring hunger that time is, where it is kind of constantly eating us. Um, and that's that's this huge case of like what we kind of have to look at um, is this idea again that you know death is death is going to be an experience that we all are going to take, and you can't actually have life without death. Right. Um, you know, the big boss Saturn is the boss, and it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. And what's so interesting about this whole spiritual, like this whole spiritual unfoldment that happens is it's actually coming to terms with the temporal component of the physical body and the physical experience that is actually the gate to the eternal. It's actually the dance with the understanding of our own death is that what actually like taps us into what is actually real and what is eternal, if that makes sense to you. It does. Absolutely. And, and I like how you're kind of, um, you know, giving a, a pretty detailed explanation of of what we spoke about with Saturn, but what we spoke about with this sort of recurring way of facing our own mortality, you know, even in, in, in the case of a birthday like that, because, you know, like I said before, you know, the theories out there on time can really take you down some rabbit holes. And, you know, I know in, in Hindu theory, um, they talk about, you know, God is timeless, right? But God has the power of creation, but also the power of withdrawing um, the energies that are in that active to inactive um, process. And so I think that when we talk about time and, and, and what you just said, and how we face our mortality, we find ways to borrow it. And I think that that's a very interesting thing we do as humans, you know, and we, we have an exchange where we buy time, buy um, either creating new life or carry on traditions. And as you get older, these traditions become even more imperative in your family because you want to leave a piece of something that keeps this sort of linear process going, even if you're not here physically, uh, whether it be through a religion, whether it be through, again, some kind of ceremonial, um, you know, ancient uh, tradition that you have in your family, or it could just be like, you know, your lineage that you have um, with whatever you're connected with ultimately. And I, I see that more as I get older with people who have already left us physically in our life and what I do for myself in order to wrap that around my head. So rather than staying in a, st a state of mourning, um, I'm already sort of manifesting what I'd like to carry on traditionally speaking, from the person who's physically no longer here, even if they didn't ask me to do that for them. So it's kind of this weird way of facing mortality, but also not because you're sort of, again, finding new excuses to keep that, uh, that sort of, not tradition, but that sort of essence alive, that light continuously mm -hmm. going. Sure. So I like what you're saying. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, if you think about even our, you know, the most influential spiritual teachers of my life, never had a breath when I was taking my first breath. You know, they were already, you know, passed on. But their words, their wisdom carries on eternally. And we we keep their light alive by studying, reading, and, you know, contemplating on these beautiful things that they've presented to us. And, you know, of course we, like, I love what you were saying about that's a part of our creation. That's a part of our labor is actually to leave an essence of ourselves behind to keep that light lit of, you know, 
what is possible in the limitless potential of the human. And so we do look to leave our leave our tradition, you know, to leave our work and our mark on this world in a positive, you know, growing way. Um, but also when we kind of think about that aspect of death, you know, there's a component too that we kind of have to realize, just like we were saying that, you know, we perceive time in a linear form, but it's actually one big moment. Mm-hmm. We experience duality, but it's actually whole in in that oneness, Christ consciousness, you know, alpha state of the beginning or that OG energy. It's There is no duality. But also what we kind of have to utilize this experience and what this construct of experience is to realize that Again, we are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. Mm-hmm. And there's a component when we feel our heart and we go deeply internal in ourselves and we go into these deep meditations and contemplations and we really reflect. There is a moment when we first became aware in this state of consciousness, the first moment that we became aware of our own separate self. But there's a component of us that doesn't, that although it's aware of that first awareness, there's a part of us that feels like there is a part of us that never was awoke. Like it never woke up here. Like it's almost like we woke up here or we fell into a sleep, but there's a part of us that feels like there was no beginning or ending. And this is what we're kind of connecting to. We're connecting to that eternal part of the soul that does not die with the body. It actually evolves and it grows from this and it goes to the next realms of life. And so we utilize this experience of, you know, the spiritual understanding of ourself to understand that there is a component of your consciousness that's eternal and that's your character that's how that's like the the growth and the expansion of your heart that carries with you that doesn't go back in the box of monopoly and so we have to utilize this idea of death and rebirth in this realm to understand that we are not from this realm mm-hmm. we're from above this realm right. we're from the same realm of like love wisdom and truth truth you know we don't get sacrificed at the end of our energy, you know, getting destroyed. That carries on over. And that's what we continue this experience of character development in the higher realms of consciousness. And so that's part of this, that's part of what this experience is trying to show to us, that we are more than just the body. We are not just the animal state. We have animal components within us, but we have this self-conscious soul that is beyond beyond the limits of this five sense reality, beyond the cube, right? You know, like we spoke about before, everything has to be sacrificed in this realm. You know, energy has to be sacrificed to give energy to other things. Like, you know, we speak about the example of like firewood. You sacrifice the wood to produce the heat and the flames for the fire. Well, the body is gonna get sacrificed back into earth, but the soul is not. The soul carries on and it continues. And so what do we do with time is not only to understand how we learn and grow with the lessons here, but we also kind of gain the components of our spiritual understanding so we can navigate what comes next in a more responsible, direct way. Um, And that's kind of part of the reason why we, again, spend such active awareness in this incarnation, studying these esoteric and occult philosophies. So not only that we know how to die, and we die in a very respectable way, Mm -hmm. but we take that opportunity to continue the growth, and we don't utilize it as this like fear-based thing. Um, But in time, 
is kind of constantly teaching us that everything dies and is reborn here. You know, we kind of spoke about it earlier. It's again, it's so elusive. Time is fluid. But as time presents itself, it dies. So even if you and I are like, hey, let's identify the present moment. Well, by the time I make that pre, you know, the, the first syllable of that word, that moment that I was identifying the present is already dead. It's already kind of fell to the sand of time. So it's so interesting because the present always becomes the past and the future always becomes the present. And it's this cyclical, continual cycle that is always happening. And so time is always kind of showing us that it's all about like birth and death, birth and death. And it's happening in every moment at all moments right in front of us. And so it's it's kind of a fascinating thing. And I know we're going to kind of talk about how this is represented by the ancient symbol of the Ouroboros, but just to kind of comp- contemplate on that idea for a moment of like, it's like the flower that blossoms and dies in every moment. And it's constantly presenting that idea to us of death and rebirth um, and how we can almost miss this obvious experience that we're all feeling, even though it's like right in front of our eyes, even in the moment that we're speaking right now. Yeah. You know? No, I love that. I know that before we got into this conversation a few days ago, I would even say like maybe a week ago, we talked about that. And that was something that struck me very um, profoundly because I, I do know that the feeling of watching something kind of dissipate right before your eyes, but there's still the new to come as it's happening in real time. Um, and you sort of sit with yourself going, okay, can I repeat this experience again? Can I recreate this experience again? Or do I just sit with it and appreciate the experience and move on to the next? And I think that, you know, going back to what you said about the soul, you know, and how, you know, the soul is the actual essence that, that stays behind or not, not behind, but continues into eternity. It's back to Pythagoras. I know he made, he um, had this idea that time was the soul of the world. And I think that that's something I personally connect to um, very much so because of what you just said regarding the people that have already left us physically speaking before we even took our first breath. And even before we even experienced these um, needs to take deep dives into the esoteric or to philosophy in terms of philosophy, the writings are left behind, but the essence of the writings are what really like in, like they sort of penetrate into your soul in a way that is eternal. That's the part that I like because you can, you can read a book and you can read a philosophy or you can have an understanding of what was said in the past by the greats, but it's how it connects to you in this sort of way. Like I know I've brought him, brought him up several times, but what I like about diaries from Mar- Marcus Aurelius is how relevant things can be, which give you this idea of how do we have time all wrong? you know, how we've looked at time, like, oh, that was the past such a long time ago, such a, such a long time ago. We're going to categorize it by before Christian events or or BCE or before like Christ. And that'll give you an idea of what those people were thinking back then. And they only lived into their sixties, whatever it might be. But I think that that is completely irrelevant to the essence that is left behind, that is still relevant in this day and age, which again, sort of 
muddles the idea of what time is because I think that's something how I used to sort of justify people's perspective. It's like, oh, if, if they believed in this sort of witchcraft, it's because they didn't understand that maybe there was poison in the rye bread that they were eating. And then therefore people were having this hallucinogenic experience. And then they were, you know, crucifying people um, because they were deemed as witches. And I'm like, that was such a long time ago. We would never do that again. And you started using these like experiences of history to sort of think that's the past. Now we're in the present and things are better or things are worse or, but in, in reality, in terms of the soul itself and the understanding of the soul and the understanding of good and evil, it's completely eternal. And so when you tap into those sort of philosophies, that's when you realize that you're like, this, this is timeless. What we're talking about here, what we're feeling here, what kind of compassions we have, what kind of ideologies we want to like break down or think that are new they're floating amongst us at all times as pythagoras you know says that the the soul of the world is time i feel like it's always around us those energies are floating in in between us and they are timeless and that's what gives me this hope when we have these conversations it's not what we get out of it necessarily through this medium right here through a podcast but so much more that i can say this is what I'm feeling based on this idea that's existed forever. What do you think of it? And you're like, I've thought of that before myself. I'm like, what it makes us think that? And when I think of these philosophies and what makes us go there is the wonderful, you know, uh, the wonderful conclusion to the end of our physical body. I think that as soon as you start realizing, you know, that death is inevitable and we're all going to face it, physically speaking, you jump into this sort of wave that has existed throughout all of time of just understanding the good or the bad and why it exists and why we feel what we lose, what we gain, all of it becomes sort of this one fluid motion that we all sort of like connect to like a, like a running river. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And again, yeah, I, I think you put a great part to that, you know, the idea of, things that are not in this realm don't feel the ramifications of time. Truth does not decay over the ages. It, it actually gains strength. Love gains strength. I Wisdom gains strength. You know, And this is what the soul is a part of. The soul is a part of this higher level of consciousness that's above the five sense reality cube. But again, we are experiencing it. So we have to be aware of the resistance that we're going to find. And one of the resistances is that we've been kind of speaking about today is the temporal or the limited time that we're presented here for this conscious exploration and, you know, kind of discovery of not only who we are, but the role that we all play in the evolution of consciousness that is unfolding and kind of crashing in front of our eyes. And so, yeah, it's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating topic again, and it's 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 elusive, you know. Um, this this whole idea of of that moment and of time being this elusive thing that you can't really even grasp or hold into your hands. Well, now we're getting the understanding of why it's called the flow state. It's called the flow state because you're actually flowing and becoming time. You're not trying to catch it. You're not trying to move ahead of it. You're just actually flowing with the state of time. Mm -hmm. So that's why time is, you know, considered this flow state. And the ultimate, how we want to kind of direct this with the application is, is that idea of not trying to catch it, but truly becoming time. Mm -hmm. 
time is is time is naturally pulling us through the progression of our life. We kind of think of it, and we spoke about it before. It's almost like there's a hook in your nose that is towing you from the past to the present to the future, and it's pulling you through. So you're already naturally moving with time. So it's not something that you need to like catch up with or get ahead of. It's just like we're kind of speaking about. It's just truly kind of being connected with its unfoldment as it's presenting itself. And so we have that towed into the, we literally get like told into the future through this pull through time that we are all experiencing. And we spoke about this before, when you're towing a boat, it creates a wake, Mm -hmm. right? And this is how you cut through the currency of this electromagnetic existence that we call consciousness. And this is the mark that you leave on consciousness. So if you are an influential individual who promotes wisdom, unconditional love, the wake that you leave cuts such a beautiful fabric in time that your experience becomes eternal in this realm. And these are like you're talking about these great figures that although they didn't take their first breath in our life, influence us to become the individuals that we, you know, desire to become. You know, you look at that idea of like Jesus Christ, like whether he existed in the real existence or he was just a um, a pattern of consciousness and awareness of consciousness that was presented. Either way, the wake of that understanding and the wake of that idea was so, it was, it cut through the fabric of time and made such an impression that the stories of that individual are still being recited, studied, and lived by to this day. And so you kind of think about that wake. You think about the mark that you're leaving through time. And again, this is what spirituality calls when you become awake. You become aware and assertive and alert of what your impact is on your creations, right? So this is when you go from living from the effect to the cause, and you actually start to create in this realm what you're actually, like the intentions of your heart. And this is a huge spiritual awareness to kind of take in, is when we actually become awake of the wake that we move. A lot of conscious individuals, who we'll kind of talk about it in the, you know, in the near future in this conversation, are so kind of hypnotized by this wake and this pulling through time that they never even understand what they're kind of creating. You know, that's this unique component when we think about spirituality. We are all creators, whether we're aware of it or not. You're always creating, but it's the conscious awareness and the connection of your higher self that you actually create something that's going to leave a positive impact on human consciousness. Um, And that's like this awareness that we kind of look at. And so we don't see time as this component of pulling us from the past, past, you know, present to the future, that's constantly, you know, in that linear motion, we speak of it as something that's like, of like, so evasive to us that we like are either trying to catch up or we're trying to get ahead of it, and we speak about it in a very exhausting way. We speak about it like it's a race. You know, we say like, "Oh, I'm running behind." or I'm running early and I've actually early, or I'm on time. Mm -hmm. Time is not something that you can catch or surpass. And time is also not something that you can actually like mount and take control of because time is a forever unfolding and decaying flower of like existence. So there's no reason to actually try to run with it because you're already being told through each moment. You're actually getting pulled through each moment. So the present becomes the past and the future becomes the present. 
through a natural flow and unfoldment of your conscious experience within this realm. So your idea of like running or mounting time is a facade because you don't run with time, you become time. You know, you don't mount time because even if you mount a moment, the moment is already dead and it's in the past. Mm -hmm. So there's absolutely no way that you can actually capture it. Mm -hmm. It's just experienced. Um, you know, this is this is an awareness that we we really have to spiritually understand because if we understand time as this towing, pulling component of this conscious experience, you realize that you are always right, right where you're supposed to be. You know you are exactly where you're supposed to be in a given moment. And when we start to gain this awareness of like, no, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, then we become consciously aware of the lessons, the insights, and the spiritual affirmations that are presenting us to ourselves. It's when we're too worried about, you know, catching something or too worried about the future that we're missing the beautiful present of the gift of the present moment which is the only, is the ultimate gift, you know? And this is one of those things that we really kind of want to look at, you know, because it's like, we respect time. So even if I am late to an appointment and I gave my word I was going to be there at 10 and it's 10, 15, I could say I'm running late, but no, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I tried to stop and get a coffee. I wasn't respecting time. Time is a cyclical, always unfolding pattern. I did not give myself the allotment of that space of opportunity to be able to stop and get that coffee, and I did anyways. So I'm late, but I'm late on my own accord. And, I ha and I'm in that moment of being late and realizing that I went against my word because I'm exactly where I needed to be because I need to learn the lesson that I need to respect time more mm. because it's a constant flow. Mm -hmm. And so when we can kind of view the point of time in this component, we understand that time is the true currency. We spoke about this in the past. You know, we even utilize it in our words. Like what you pay attention to and what you spend time on is what you get in life. It is the ultimate currency. And it's not something that you can like add extra on. Mm -hmm. It's it's got a limited, it's got a limited um like output of you. You know, every time your heart beats. That's one less heartbeat for your life. Mm -hmm. You know, every day means your life is one day shorter. It's this forever, you know, deposit of energy that is leaving us. Now you can make choices in your life to, you know, by collapsing timelines of eating healthier, being a healthier individual, doing less dangerous things that you can give yourself, you know, you could fulfill the potential of what you, the possibility of your length of life could be. But even if you fulfill that potential, you're still one less heartbeat with every heartbeat. You know, it's almost like your heart is like, is almost like making a currency exchange for you every time. And it kind of depletes its energy and it kind of goes out. And so this idea of like truly understanding that you're exactly where you're supposed to be in every given moment allows for you to really kind of see the spiritual lessons that are always kind of presenting themselves. And we realize that time is not something that we can capture. It's something that we flow with. Um, and that's why it's what we call the flow state. It's actually just like becoming time. And you do that through the respect and the understanding of how it operates. And you move with the, the, the towing and you actually kind of let it pull you through time, but not so much this aspect of like, catching it or running behind, if that makes sense. Yes. Yes. 
I do find it fascinating that we like to capture it. I do think that that's something we've done throughout the beginning um, of our existence is finding a way to capture it. There's very something very satisfying. I'll use a metaphor of the ocean and the beach all at the same time. But there's something very satisfying of walking on the sand and seeing your footprints as you turn around and look back on how far you've walked because the prints are there to give you a reminder of where you started and where you are. Whereas if you're in the water, and this actually happened to me as a child um, on fishing boats, I used to stare off the boat and watch the wake become part of the ocean again. And I'm like, were we ever really there? I literally would keep watching the wake disappear only to know that the wake that was being made was the one that was in that very split second, but just a few hundred yards back, it's gone now. It's just blended into the water. And it was very frustrating. I remember thinking like, were we ever really there? And that's when I realized I had a thing for wanting to capture time. And you're right, actually understanding time and having a respect for it and learning that there is a lesson for what is actually happening in that present moment is the ultimate currency. I actually... Uh, the biggest thing that ever happened to me, um, and if I will, I'll just go into like a quick story as I always do that relates to this. But in high school, I I struggled academically speaking. And so what teachers would do for me is they were finding ways to get me around to getting to the next grade, right? So like your, your junior year is coming up. These are the classes you need to pass. This is the lessons you need to learn and then your senior year, and so forth. And I didn't learn anything because a lot of it was very uh, forgiving. You know, it's like, oh, he may have ADHD. He may have some kind of a a dyslexia. So therefore, we're just going to move him along. When it came to college, though, I had this new and renowned way of looking at life. And this is during my high school years, just like a, I know I've talked about this before, but just to kind of give it a relevant point, my father had passed. And during the time that I was sort of mourning and figuring out what my identity really was after like missing a parent, um, I kind of wasted um, not time, but wasted sort of moments that were given to me because I was just sort of grappling with this, right? So when I got kind of got out of it, I'll never forget, all my friends were going to college. I was ready to go to, you know, whatever college I was going to go to. And my mom had said to me, she goes, you know, you're going to have to take like an entry level exam to place you in the classes you need to go to your freshman year in college. And I said, and if I don't take the exam, she said, well, then you basically start from the very beginning. So to make an example of this, your first English class in college for those who have gone to college or or going to be going to college, everyone knows is English 101. I opted in, okay? I could have taken this test. There was a couple of people who asked me, they're like, oh yeah, there's a couple of uh, study guides. So once you like take this test, it places you uh, into whether it's English 101 or Math 120, I forget what it is with basic algebra. I said, no, I'm good. And they said, what do you mean you're good? And I said, I'm just going to start at the, at the, what's the lowest, like how, if I don't take the test, what happened? And they said, you're going to start at like English 061. I said, well, then that's where I'll start. And I'll never forget the look of the guidance counselor because she literally said this. She goes, that is so much time out of your, your life. You're going to be going backwards just to get to 101. So like if we do this by semesters and she starts to kind of like show me in terms of like a timeline, what that looks like. And I stopped her and I said, it's okay. Cause nothing about any moment that I'm experiencing isn't going to teach me something 
that I'm now ready to learn when I wasn't ready to learn it in high school or wherever I was at the time, um, kind of being absent-minded for the sake of academia. And so when I went into school, I had a lot of friends asking me, um, oh yeah, I'm writing this paper in English 101 and then 102's coming up. And they're like, you know what I'm saying? I, I would try to like get out of the conversation and be like, no, like I don't know what you're saying. Cause they would go, oh, I thought you were going to community college or started at this one college. Someone saw you. Um, are you not in that class? And I said this to one person in particular. I remember saying, no, I'm in, I'm in 071. And they're like, there's such a thing as 071. I said, yeah. And they're like, well, what are you, what are you learning in there? And I said, everything I wasn't prepared to learn when I did have the chance, but now I am. And so I took it as a gift the whole way through. And the whole point I'm trying to make is that many people in my life were trying to tell me, God, you're, you're not wasting time, but this is taking so much to get to, to a point where like I already started at eight, at 18 or 17, whenever you start freshman year of college, I was now 19 going into English 101 finally. Um, but I enjoyed the process because the process I, that I went through, I was now ready for, I was like completely immersed in it. And even the teachers were like, Hey, I don't think you should be in this class. Like if you haven't noticed a few people here are not from the States or have migrated here and are kind of, and I said, no, I understand, but I don't think you know how much I just like blocked out during this period of, of my life a few years back. And now I'm here and I'm fully present and I'm thankful for every minute of it. It doesn't make me a better writer when it comes to writing papers, but it made me just enjoy the process and be ready for it. And that was the first time I had this like understanding. The second, and I'll finish with this, you and I always agreed on is how you blast yourself through the future when you travel. You and I would always travel and talk about how it's the craziest experience that you go somewhere, might be for a couple of weeks or a month, but something would be accelerated in you where you would come back and you're like, okay, it wasn't that much time that I spent away, but something's different about me in a way that would take almost a year to gain sort of a reflect, have an ability to reflect on like experiences. You've now can reflect on many experiences all at once from a small, small, um, you know, uh, experience abroad or where, whether it be like just a trip somewhere else outside of your, your comfort zone. And I think that many people seek that the pursuit of the whole wanderlust, I think has that sort of essence of, you know, what is time and what am I really getting myself involved in? Because at the end of the day, you know, I'm just present and there's something that's going to teach me something that's going to save me in essence, this linear time, um, by just like immersing myself in this like moment of being in the present. So again, I don't want to go off too much on a tangent, but everything you're saying kind of encompasses this, you know what I mean? Where I think people want to capture time so much like the footsteps on the sand, rather than just like making peace with the fact that like you were there, you know, in your heart, you were there. You don't need to like turn around and look at it and go, okay, there's the timeline. There's the pictures. There's the old scrapbooks that show me where I've come from. It's like, I don't know why we do that, you know, and I don't know it has something to do with our mortality or a way of stretching it out. So you're like, oh, that's where it started and this is where it's going. I think that in itself, again, I know there's a lot of play on words here, but I think in itself is the waste of time is trying to capture it like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. No. And, you know, and one of the things why we go into this flow state, why this present moment is so important, because in the present, we can choose through our awareness to live in the most co concentrated, you know, 
um, concentrated pattern that we can choose to collapse. Yes. And so like you were saying, you didn't have that when you were in the process of going through like learning, you know, advanced language arts in high school, you were not aware of the moment and you had other things that were happening in your life. And not only were you as it does, but you were, you know, you were dancing with this idea of death and mortality. Um, so it didn't allow for you to consciously, you know, put your attention to this component of like growth through the better understanding of language. And so, yes, putting ourselves in more concentrated experiences to speed up the evolution of the unfoldment of ourselves. And you can do this through travel, you can do this through study, you can do this through meditation, yoga. Everybody is going to have at different times in their life, different opportunities to create a more concentrated experience that will be distilled in wisdom and you know more knowledge. We, with our time, we really choose a lot of times to, you know, rather than honoring the cyclical nature of time and the idea that it's finite, we distract ourselves. We don't want to think about death. We don't want to think about self-development. So we actually get hypnotized by the clock. Mm. Um, And that's going to happen. It's, you know, the clock is a hypnotizing thing. We kind of spoke about this before, but when you even think about you know, that that's black and white spiral when they were like hypnotized people in the 1950s yeah. on like an old, it's, it's just the time sped up. You know, if you speed up those hands, the three hands of the clock on an analog clock, it will hypnotize you. Yeah, Time can totally hypnotize you. You know, when you think even about a watch, like an analog watch that you wear on your wrist, well, watch, if we phonetically break it down, you have the word watt, which is an energy measurement of like the amount of energy in one second of electricity. And again, that's a very watered down understanding of it, but it's, it's, it, you know, Watts are going to kind of give you the value of like the explosion of energy that can come from a certain device, you know? Um, and the ch, the, the CH, well, that is rooted from the word chronos, which is time. And so this is like when you're having a watch on your wrist it's the energy within the time that's presented to you. And you're watching time go by you. And if we're in this state of getting hypnotized by the spiral of time, we are in this, we're in a slumber. We're like, actually, you know, we're not even awake to the conscious moment that's happening in front of us. You know, and a lot of people, instead of experiencing the moment, are a bystander in their life. And they live vicariously through you know, the characters in their TV shows and things like that. And it's not saying like, you can't like, you know, watch films or watch TV, but you can see the disrespect for energy if somebody spends, you know, their whole weekend on a Netflix binge. And haven't you ever noticed that like Netflix after a couple hours, like put up something like, are you still watching? It's like, are you still hypnotized by the cycle and the pattern that's kind of being presented to us? Um, It's that idea of TikTok, um, there's a reason why that social media called itself TikTok. It's because it's hypnotizing. You know, they invented the idea of like rather going from left to right with the screens, it goes up and down. It's got this, it's got this like pull to your consciousness that actually pulls you into that time continuum that like truly sucks away your ultimate currency of your time, which again is the most important thing. And when we think about time as currency money is meant to buy you more time so you can have the experience of self-unfoldment. 
money is not the ultimate currency. Money is actually like a representation of this aspect of time. Mm -hmm. um, what we want to spend our time on, like what true wealth is, is experiencing time to its fullest. The wealthiest person in the world isn't the person who has the most money. It's the person who has the most stories. It has the person who's collected the most wisdom. It's the person who's like shared love and connecting with people um, and understood itself. That's, that's what true wealth is. And you'll see this because really powerful people in the world don't flaunt their money. You know, that's something more that is kind of a decisive, deceptive trick that they put onto the audience to like flaunt your money. Because usually the people that flaunt their money don't really have that money. You know what I mean? It's like a, they're kind of trying, it's like a show. Um, they're kind of, it's like when you see a bunch of sheep in a herd, the sheep will like will all just be sitting there and then one will just like ram its head into the other one. And that's pretty much what the sheep do when they flaunt their money. They're just like trying to get the approval of the other sheep rather than actually becoming like the shepherd and actually like stepping above that aspect of just like falling in line and trying to, better or you know one up the person next to you because that's not what it's about it's about utilizing the space and the time this opportunity of experience that's been presented to you to make it the richest most beautiful thing that you possibly can and that's going to be by you know going through painful experiences alchemizing to make the beauty out of it you are the audio like the artist of this world and this world is your canvas and time is the space the time is the allotment of you know time that you are to kind of paint this experience for yourself. And so, you know, understanding it as the truest currency. And, you know, when we kind of think of it in that respect, we sp think about how we spend our time and what we pay attention to a lot more. And we're more consciously aware because again, we want to, we really kind of want to make that a concentrated moment to speed up the evolution of who we are already were, but we had to become. No, oh, well said. Uh, you know, I, I do like that even in quantum mechanics, you just said this, the regards to flow, as it said, of time is universal and absolute. And so when you talk about this flow state that none of us, uh, you know, can, or not all of us will get to right away, you're right. Money as a currency is what's buying us that time to allow us to find more space for that flow that we want to kind of feel and be intertwined with and we become our own blockages of time and how we spend it by trying to jump into the facade of you know making more money um in order to well it depends on how you're making the money and what you're doing with it because that's something that i grappled with and i know you and i have talked about this where you work all these odd jobs or you work all this you know all these um you work into all these experiences that either are buying you time or they're taking time away from you. It's really up to you on how you see it, you know, because you're like, Hey, I, I cultivated these friendships and experiences that then ultimately led me to have more time with family or friends. So it was a sacrifice I made, um, you know, many eons ago to get to this point. And I'm glad I did that then to have this now. And you see that a lot, especially uh, in the elderly community where either there's regrets where they thought there was going to be this ultimate reward of having enough time to reflect, or there is this ultimate fear that when they got to the end of working towards that, they only have so much in terms of their breaths left on their physical realm. And they have this like moment of sort of 
not depression, but, you know, kind of uh, existential angst of going, oh my gosh, like what was it all for and who was it all for? And so they tried to live through the eyes of either their grandchildren, if they had any, and they're like, at least I left that as a legacy. And at least I gave them the the opportunity. Um, there's all kinds of ways that we like bend the rules. And I think that's, what's very interesting on how we, how we do that, how we like have this, um, not, a, not necessarily just a misconception of it, but we have a reminder of what it might mean along the way through either death and rebirth, whether it's like the eyes of a child that's been born or the death of an elderly person, or even just a young person where you kind of realize like what's finite. I mean, everybody will tell you as soon as somebody close to them dies physically, there's always these like little reminders that people will say to each other. Oh, you know, like we only have so much time or time is just such a such a blink. And we say that, but it kind of just sort of goes away after about a week or so that you're, you kind of fall back into this rhythm. And I think that we are sort of the creators of that spiral in that hypnotizing clock you're talking about. I think we found a way to be part of that clock, if that makes sense. You know, I'm not saying all of us are in that. I'm saying that's kind of like a weird facade that we jump into where it's like, if I just do this and then I do this and then I do that, then I'll have all of this. And you're kind of just like falling into this, like, like really is there's no guarantee for that like how why are you going by like who taught you how to go through that and who taught you that that was going to be um not only granted to you but it was going to be a for sure exchange if you did this for that i think that that's one of the components in time that has us sort of stuck at, you know um as we're just taking a new breath every day and losing the one from the the, the day before and not regaining that um, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, again, it's, it's a, it's a subject that we all kind of have to sit with, you know, um, it's, and you know, one of the big things is like our language towards it and how we identify it and our relationship with time, um, not getting hypnotized by the, by the moment and being a bystander, but truly kind of looking at every present moment of like, what can I do that my future self would thank me for? Um, you know, what can I do in this moment to achieve a inspiration that I have of like a desire of something I want to create or unfold? Or how do I just like be in the moment and capture what the moment is trying to present to me? Mm. Um, so it really kind of shifts our awareness and our attention because it's a finite resource and because it's so fluid that we don't want to just let it pass us by because before you know it, you're just like, Oh, where did the time go? Well, it's our awareness and our appreciation and that full experience of the moment that is going to give us the richness of it. You know, in all there's, there's spiritual lessons in every moment. Um, and so when we're on the awareness of that and we put our attention to that, we can see the blossoming flowers, even if it is just the birth of the present moment and the death of it to the past this is this is the the code that we're kind of looking at. Um, and so again, we're not thinking about time in the the metaphysical approach of how it truly is. We're thinking about it in the literal experience as it unfolds and kind of toes us and pulls us through from the past to the present to the future, and allowing just to let it pull us, you know, not stepping in the way, not disrespecting it, but really kind of coming to that conscious awareness that, again, I'm in 
exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, and there's a lesson here for me. And if it's I'm not where I wanted to be, well, that's because I didn't respect the time I had in the past and I didn't allocate it mm. and direct my energy in the moment to get me to the spot that I needed to be. So I needed to feel this pain. I needed to feel this grief. I needed to feel this disappointment. So in the future, I respect the big boss of Saturn because again, he is the Lord of the Rings. You know, it's the idea of like, it giveth, it taketh away. Um, and, you know, we as an individual in spirituality, like, that dance with death is something that we know is inevitable. And so we want to go to that with pride and almost like excitement, like we've said in the past, to be like, oh my gosh, look at what I did with my time, rather than like, if I could do it again. Um, and we do that by living every moment in the present as a gift um, from this like universal experience that's unfolding in front of our eyes. And it's, you know, we think of a lifetime as this like long 70 you know plus year experience but it's just a, it's just not even a blink in the history of this the creation with on this realm um but we with what we can do with that blink what we can do with our dash can make an impact that will forever change the future and heal the past right and that's kind of what we we kind of operate in the time that is given us, you know, but again, there's, there's no stopping time. You know, even when people talk about like, oh, I've got time off, so I'm going on vacation. It's just like that clock hand is not stopping. You know, the, the hands on the clock are literally letting you know that you have one second less of life left for you. And it's going around that cyclical thing. One minute left, one hour left, less left for your experience. Um, and it really is this, this unfoldment of like creation and destruction. It's the, it's like the representation of God right in front of us mm -hmm. when we break down the word of generator, operator, destroyer, and it's kind of happening in that moment. And, you know, it's even like when we kind of look at like Hindu gods, if you ever wonder why they have so many arms, well, that's kind of like the representation of like the arms on the clock because they have such a deep understanding of not only personal time right. in like, you know, Hindu, ancient Hindu and esoteric Hindu philosophy, but a really great awareness and insight on larger cycles of time, which is what's something that I always um, am fascinated. And that's what kind of um, really kind of brought up a lot of our conversations um, in regards to that Eastern spiritual craft with all the other, you know, beautiful things that it presents itself. But time is, you know, Manly P. Hall said it for the best. Time is not for the wasting. Um, time is the, you know, it's the opportunity presented ourselves. And when we kind of really kind of consciously, you know, meditate on why we are here, the use of our time becomes a much more easier experience. Um, and it allows for us to kind of have that, not only that dedication, but that discipline to kind of like take the moment for what it's presenting itself to. For sure. Well, you know, and in terms, and well said, man, because in terms of like what this conversation is about, rather than just going through this abstract, like, you know, uh, long winded talk between you and I that we can continue on and on and on in regards to time, what I really appreciate of you bringing this up is this season with, with in terms of application, even with the last episode we just did with the moon, you're sort of giving a lot of information, at least to me, that helps us navigate that time. You know, it's like if we really understand ourselves, we understand our, what, what, you know, what our purpose is, you know, really having a purpose. Manly P. Hall talks about that in, in a lecture. And um, for those who are members today, uh, the day that I post this, uh, 
episode, I'll put that lecture up there uh, from YouTube. You can find it yourself. You just type in Man P. Hall and Time on YouTube. Um, wonderful lecture. He has a couple out there that are really good. But one of the things he talks about is like finding your purpose and finding and having purpose and what that really represents. But even when you you give these beautiful sort of little lectures between you and I in regards to, again, last time being the moon, you're sort of giving me guidance or giving the audience or giving yourself guidance as to how to navigate through mistakes that might cost you that currency if you're not aware on how to fix it in order to move forward uh, a little quicker, a little more enjoyably through life. You know what I mean? I think that talking about these philosophies at nauseum, um, you know, in itself can be a, a punishing thing if we're not going to apply them in order to better ourselves and help the brothers and sisters near us that want to join us on the same path. You know what I mean? Rather than just keeping this information to yourself, sharing the information and leading by example might lead others into a place of understanding why it's important to love and how love is eternal. Why is love eternal? You know, we, we all kind of have this like idea of such things like love is eternal. You know, uh, you, you put this love out and you get it back. But having like a good way of understanding the application of this information is going to give us ultimately that understanding of the respect of time. And that's what I like about how you brought this up. You know, if you have anything else to say on that, I'd love to hear it just in terms of application. Yeah, no. And I thank you, man, for summing that up. Um, but um, no, I think like when it comes to the application of time, the the greatest thing to do is just to meditate on on the present moment of as it presents itself and as it, you know, crashes in the waves of time and it becomes the past. Um, just being aware of its constant unfoldment and how it's always presenting us the idea of, you know, you're born and you die. Um, you know, we need to go through certain components of our spiritual capacity needs to be born and die in our lifetime. Certain cycles within time are going to serve us at one point and then not serve us at later points and have to understand that we are operating as a creator in this realm. So not are we the generator, the operator, but we're also the destroyer. And so time isn't not just to seize the opportunity, but also to kill um, a negative pattern that's no longer serving us. And so every moment, always kind of presents um, a potential for you to water your seed and nurture your growth. And it's that awareness of that and really kind of finding that flow and not being ahead of it and being too worried about anxiety, not being stuck in the past and being, you know, upset about spilled milk, but more with like, what do I do with the, the energy that I'm given? Um, you know, you don't really change your cards in this life. What you're dealt is kind of what you're dealt how you play your cards, that's a free will experience. Um, you know, even when it kind of comes to your relationship of time, it's a trillion dollar industry to fight time and there is no stopping time, mm -hmm. you know? So love yourself as you age, like see the difference, see the distinction of it. Um, you know, we're not supposed to be young forever. And I'm not saying like you can't buy makeup or, you know, do that kind of thing, but don't align your, spiritual happiness to external things like the body because it's temporal. And like I said, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So you can't have the experience of life without going through the process of dying and, you know, really giving respect to the cycles and the patterns of you go through your experiences and kind of learn like what the timeline where you find yourself in your life, 
what the necessary awareness is that you're supposed to be directing on yourself. You know, it's it's fun. It's fine to be, you know, 11 years old and life is just like living life like as a child, but you're not supposed to do that in your 30s. You know, it's not all fun and games. There is work that needs to be done. There's labor that needs to be done. You need to kind of work through this component of developing and carving out your character. Um, you still can have fun, but there's other responsibilities that kind of come. And, you know, being actively taking the full responsibility of your spiritual development for everything you've done to this point, to everything that you're going to create in the future, is is one of the things that like time is urging for us to see. Um, and, you know, it's that it's that beautiful thing. And this is, again, why things that are timeless, like dancing and listening to music, really makes you into that flow state. You know, when you're dancing, you can't think about, you know, the financial problems that you're going through because you're going to trip. You're going to step on your partner's feet. You're not thinking about like, oh, I have to go from this place to that place. You're just flowing with the rhythm of life. And that's why that's such a special thing that's always stayed in all cultures. Same thing with music. It really kind of is this better representation of the pattern in life where it's not so much a race from point A to point B. It's it's the awareness of the experience and being fully in the experience. And that's why you can maybe dance for hours and not even notice it because it's like you became time and you are actually in that flow state. So find the things that keep you in your flow state. It's not going to be the same thing for everybody. And don't be discouraged if what you find that gets you in that flow state is not what others do, because that's what's unique about you. Mm -hmm. We're all kind of authentic in that way. But find the things that allow for you to become time. And that is kind of where your, not only your inspiration is, but that's probably where your authentic unfoldment is trying to pull you to. Um, and allowing yourself to kind of, you know, really do the dance of the universe and do the dance of the cosmos. And, you know, just flow with it, let it pull you through um, and don't become too active where you, you know, are too stuck into the future. Because again, like if you have anxiety about something that's going to happen in the future and it's inevitable, you're just going to feel the pain twice. You're going to feel the pain twice mm -hmm. about like being worried about it. And then it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can't, if you have a problem in the future and it can be solved, perfect. It's not a problem because you right. can solve it and you're going to use the present moment to solve it. If there's a problem in the future that you can't solve. Perfect. There's nothing you can do about it. So just stay in the moment. And you know, if it comes, it comes. And so, um, yeah, man, I, again, we could kind of talk about this a bunch. I know I have some videos, um, going out on the membership page of some of their conversations, but, uh, you know, I think that this is a, a unique space. So I'm going to kind of like pass the floor over to you. If there's any last closing comments to kind of close the, the circuit conversation of, or really just kind of put a bookmark in the conversation of time for us. I like the bookmark. Um, you know, I, again, I could keep adding and going on and on and on about this because again, it's an endless conversation. Ironically for the topic it, itself, it has this sort of ebb and flow that will never end. But I think the advice that, or the caution you give or the advice that you give in regards to how we respect it is the ultimate lesson that I can take away from this conversation with you. Because again, the topics are starting to blend together, not necessarily just because the last three years of having a conversation with you, but the last 20 years I've had a conversation with you, the application is the real, you know, sharpening of that tool that can now be utilized. Do you know what I mean? Like having a philosophy on how to sharpen your tool and having an understanding of which way to cut the blade 
uh, can be just like as romantic as anything else. But it's when you actually take the blade and go, you know what, if I don't use it now, the sharpening eventually will just like deteriorate the metal that is the blade and then nothing will be used from the philosophy of how to sharpen this tool to it becoming dust again. And I think there's a period in time where you have to take action. And, you know, I don't know why I'm using a blade as a metaphor here because it can be such a harmful thing, but, you know, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, led into violence. I'm just simply saying that I find that these conversations are leading us to the understanding of let's put this into motion. Let's not waste it. Let's actually do something with it. And so the next conversations that we have throughout the next um, episodes of season four, I'm so happy to have that um that, not that perspective, but that insight of, okay, now I'm going to take this and I'm going to apply it every day. You know, again, back to the, the lunar cycles and understanding like our emotions and how our emotions guide us to make decisions, hopefully will make us make better decisions that'll affect people around us and affect people that we haven't even met in the future that will ultimately bring us love and positivity and uh, abundance. And that's really my my mantra for the remainder of my life here on earth is to just have this abundance, but give it back at the same time and keep that ebb and flow as it does with like anything else that um, you spoke about in, in regards to flow state. So thank you for your time today. Hey, no, thank you for your time. This is how I like to spend my time. Um, and uh, these are the moments that, that, you know, we gain, we become rich with, you know, sharing space between friends and, uh, you know, even just conversing and directing the conversation to something that interests us and inspires us. And so, yeah, no, the ultimate honor is right here to be, you know, sharing the space with you and each and every one of the listeners. Um, and so, yeah, no, it's fantastic, man. Isn't it weird how fast that went? It went by so fast. There's so much to, to talk about still, but it feels so good to actually be a representative of the thing we're very, that we're talking about. I think it's interesting right now as I look at the at the timer and, and, and everything we just spoke about in regards to the numbers that remind us of how long we've been in this space. Um, but you know, when you're in that flow state, you, you lose it, you know, just like I did as a child, you know, you're like, I was having the most fun. How, how is my mom here to pick me up right now? There's, that was the most frustrating, but now rewarding thing to think back on when I was like, no, you, you, you can't be here. You made a mistake. My mom was like, no, I said, I'd come pick you up from Daniel's house at like six o'clock. I'm like, yeah, but you just dropped me off. It's like, that was at one. And I'm like, well, what just happened? Someone uh -huh. robbed me of something. It's like, no, someone gifted you the state of flow. You were having a good time with a person. And it's a way that you can't really quantify and you don't know how to really like conceptualize it. You don't know how to like tame it down because you weren't suffering you weren't having any kind of like endurance. You were just living in the present. And now someone here is here to say, Hey, time's up. And you're like, what? And I think that's a direct reflection of what life should be. Is that when it gets here to the very end, you should just sort of laugh it out loud and go, man, what a, what a ride, what a day, you know, how many days went by, doesn't matter. You know, we got here It started and now it's ended and that's okay. Um, so anyways, with that being said, until next time. Until next time. <laughs>